Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that we're in the middle of our annual raffle, and tickets are just $50, and it really helps support all the wonderful work that we're doing. If you buy a ticket today, I'll send you a personal thank you letter and a little gift. It's really easy. Just go to www.ndgraffle.com. That's ndgraffle.com. I'll be ever so grateful to you. Now let's get started. Okay. So today we're going to get into the Sefirot. That's our goal. We're going to actually start. Last last week, we uh, got started on the introduction to the Sefirot. Today... We're going to take a look at the first of the three. So we said that the top three are intellectual, and the bottom seven are emotional. So let's take a look at the top three. So what I showed you here in this diagram, and so, like I said, there's a lot of people, and Fred sent me his version of of the translations of the Sefirot, these are, these are translations. So remember, the entire purpose of everything we're studying is that it should lead into action. So the reason why I chose these particular translations is I want them to represent the actions that they create. And that's a very important thing, which means if you're studying Kabbalah and it's not leading to a change in behavior or to an action of some sort, then you're almost missing the point of what the, the purpose of Kabbalah is. So while there's a lot of very interesting and very words in the English language that can be used, the truth is that whatever translation we use, it needs to be one that reflects the action is of... The, okay. Is the uh, 10 Sephiroth Keter Hakma being a... Okay, uh, well, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to get into that. Okay. Okay, so... The first is Chachma. What, what, what is Chachma really? Chachma is really where you have a little flash of inspiration. That moment, Chachma does not last for more than a moment. It's a flash of inspiration. It's that, whoa. Oh, it's a spiritual awakening kind of thing. Not a spiritual awakening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, exactly. it's like, okay. So, take for example, a person is sitting and thinking about a certain mathematical concept. Hours go by, and she finally comes up with a brilliant idea that can be used as an invention. This is Chachma. But Chachma, that's it. Just the moment between zero and one, between there's no concept and now there's a concept. It's the flash of an idea that is the creative force within the human experience. That's it. The flash of an idea that's the creative force within the human experience. Now, If the person were asked what happened, how did you suddenly figure it out? What was the inspiration? 
what did that moment feel like? What are they going to say? I don't know. I have no idea. Because Chachma is a flash. There's no way that somebody would be able to conceptualize that moment, that flash. At that point, we haven't developed the tools of the mind to answer all the questions. All, all we know is that something clicked. All we know is that there was a boom. There was a spark of inspiration. The moment we start conceptualizing it, the moment we start analyzing it, we start piecing it apart, we start understanding it, it's not Chachma anymore. It's gone to the next level. So at this point, in the point of Chachma, what is it? It's a, it's a spark of inspiration. What's the details, how to analyze it, we have no idea. That's why, very often, we'll call a creative person a Chacham. It's also done, yeah, it's I have a, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that, that's a chukum. That's a chukum. A chukum is like a, a know-it-all. I have a question. Yeah. You said bet is the one that the world was created by. We're not going there. No, we're not we're, going you're, there. You're, you're, you're way, way, way deeper you're, in No, there. you're way in, in a different, in different sphere. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. But it's true, though. No. It's not true. It's not true? What? what? Come on. We're not, we're come not, on, we're not, on, we're not getting there. Okay. I've so. heard, I've heard also the, uh, the breaking down of the etymology of Chochmah as Koachma. Yeah, Koachma. Yeah, so the power. The power of what? The power we of what? We know there's something. That's right. But we don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But there's something. Yeah. Exactly. And it's also, I'm also thinking of the. Uh, the power of potential. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also thinking in, in psychology. Uh, the difference between uh, what's called a lot of times uh, procedural knowledge and, and, and intellectual knowledge. Procedural knowledge is, is a lot of things that we know kind of intuitively or that, that are in our behavior or in the behavior of the society around us, but that's, that's not, not in our, we're, not, we're not conscious of it, okay? It's just there. And then Chochmah maybe is that one moment where our mind sees something that it didn't see before. So something that was there, because... Everything that we will discover through Chochmah is not something of our own creation. We are just getting a little sneak peek at something that was previously hidden from us. That is actually a very interesting um, analysis. I'll tell you why. Because it could be, for some, for some that Chochmah is, is something that comes from not within. That is actually mm. exactly what you're saying. It's divine inspiration of some sort. It could be. It's not necessarily true. Right, if somebody... but, but, but it's it's you see the invention, right? The invention. We like to think of the person. I invented this. Not really. I saw, in a moment, I saw the connection between things that was previously hidden from me. So it's almost like we live in this state of like potential of knowledge. All the knowledge is out there, and chokhmah is that one moment where it's like boom, like something just crosses over. Something crosses over from the planet potentiality of knowledge to our consciousness, our individual it, consciousness. It could also be where um, you're, you're learning something, right? It could be that you've learned this before and all of a sudden, mm. right now, you had this... Boom. Get it, yeah. You got it. That moment of getting it, that's Chachma. Mm. For you, it's, it may not be a Chachma moment for the universe. That's right. But it's a Chachma moment for you. Exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. I but, that, that, but that moment is only a moment. 
how often does it happen also? Because it, it's, not, it's also, it doesn't necessarily have to be something completely new. How often does it happen that something you've been studying for years and you think you understand it? You think you understand it? And really, like, after, like, mm-hmm. it's happened to me, like, in law, you know? Like, in, like it's like, oh, like, one day I just get it. I'm like, but I've been, I've been like, but dealing could, with this for 10 years. That could be a Bina moment, actually. That could be, that not necessarily be a Chachma moment. I'm, I'm okay. wrong. I'm wrong because... The Chachma is really where it's just that flash of inspiration. Just how do you how do you tell what like between the two? Like if it is actually a Chachma moment or if it's just like a, a moment. Who said you have to tell? <laughs> it is what it is. It is. <laughs> so Chachma, like you said, Koachma. It's it's the the power of what. Remember, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. That is it a Rabbi? When they asked him once, how did you become the Nobel Prize winner? So he said in the morning, when he came home from school as a kid, his mother would ask him, did you ask a good question today? Mm-hmm. That is the power of the question. It's the question that creates the Chachma. If you don't have that, that desire to find something, or that desire to discover, or the desire to invent Chachma will never exist. Hmm. Someone who's depressed or, or has to, you know, live on a different plane, they're never going to have that ability to have the Chachma experience, which means Chachma, chachma not, is not going to come from an, from an extraneous source. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to come from within. So, like, for example, when um, Yaakov, uh, when he was missing his son for 22 years and he didn't have any divine inspiration... So that's pretty much the Chachma being taken away. No, not necessarily. Yaakov missing his son for 22 years is the proof that, that, that Yosef didn't die. Mm. Because what happens if someone passes away is over time, the, naturally, we, we forget of them. And we don't forget of them, but we forget of them. Because mm. that's part of the, the natural process. Whereas Yaakov knew that Yosef was still alive all those years because he never forgot of him. Mm. So... What happens next? Now, next is not... It's, a, it's an expansion. So let's say the... You know, it's interesting because the way it works is the yud and then the expansion of the yud, right? How the yud expands into a hay. So the yud is the spark, right? It's just a little, a little point. The hay is the expansion in width and breadth of the Yud. So now, the next level is, not, is, is, a, is a, a cross. It's an expansion of the little spark. So what happens now? We have Bina. Bina is the conceptualization. It's the expansion of the spark. What does Bina look like? Bina is when you start analyzing it. When you start piecing it apart, when you start working through it. This is all a Bina experience. Mm-hmm. So, okay. let's what, use... What we do here is mainly Bina experiences, right? I, I would mean, say majority of it yeah. is Bina. Yeah. Okay. So, what, 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 what do you mean by, by, by Bina? Let's, let's continue with this, with this analogy. The person continues to think about an idea. And then the person goes one step further. 
to develop the idea with her mind by comparing it to, let's say, other similar ideas that, the, that she studied. This leads to a thorough comprehension of the flash. So the flash existed, and it was only a moment. But now, how are we going to keep? And this is the great question. And I think musicians ask themselves, how am I going to keep? I just I made up a melody. How do I keep it? <clears throat> Imagine there wasn't recording devices. Sorry. Imagine there wasn't recording devices. How do you keep that melody? How do you keep that idea? <clears throat> so now you had the flash, you had the inspiration. The melody came to your mind. Now everything else is gonna be what you're gonna do in order to keep it. Expanding in a width and breadth, analyzing it, piecing it apart. Working through it. Now, now at this point, She's able to tell you the hows, the whats, the whys that are involved with this concept. So the idea has left the stage of Chachma, the stage of concept, and it's entered the arena of development, allowing the human mind to have the proper words, allowing the human mind to have the proper explanations to talk about it in a rational and intelligent way. It's very easy for, for someone to spend their whole life, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And it's actually, I would say, that for a lot of generations, Judaism and the way people approach their Judaism was a Chachma experience. Why, the rabbi said. Well, I don't know. Why do you do that? I don't know. That's a Chachma experience. Where today, like you said, we need the Bina. The Bina is necessary in our lives today. We want to know why. We want to know what. That's very nice that you do that, but why? And that desire that we have to take the Chachma experience and turn it into Bina is a very powerful desire. It's also probably impossible to communicate a pure Chachma experience because it just reveals itself to the individual. Whereas with Bina, when you wrap your mind around it, you can now communicate it. You can now. You turn it into words, structures, it, you develop it in a way where you can now convey it to other people and communicate it. So even if they haven't had the same Chochmah experience, you can still kind of start to translate it into knowledge that can become useful, right? So, um, but that, that's why like, you know, we can, we can look at it as analyzing, but the word I sent you was uh, deduction. Because really it's like taking that spark and then deducing from it everything that can come from it. Everything that comes of it. But I think it's more, I saw, I saw the word deduction. I think it's more of a deduction. It's the one I was the least satisfied with. It's, I'm, it's, I'm trying to get to the core of it's, what it's is the, it. It's more of a deduction because, let's say for example, let's take a very difficult question that somebody would have in their life. Um, to be careful, because it can't be a difficult question with no answer. Difficult question that has an answer. Like it can't be why bad things happen to good people because there's no answer to that. Um, a difficult question. Somebody was, was studying something and it just doesn't make sense. So you can, go to, you can go and ask the teacher or the rabbi or whoever you're studying from and say, and the two rabbi can say, don't worry about it, just study. What ends up happening is there becomes a desensitization from what you're studying because I don't really understand it. I don't really comprehend it. I'm not really at a point where I can 
really piece it and understand it. So what ends up happening is I don't really know. I don't know. So I don't know. How many years of I don't know can we do? How long? How many, how many weeks, a month of I don't know? Can somebody live with? It depends. Because if you're, if you're picking up some I knows along the way, you can, you can withstand some I don't knows for a long time. So every, but if it's all I don't know... Every I know is a being experience. Every time you have an idea, and that idea, you can come to the conclusion, you know what, I, 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 I remember growing up, there was a lot of in the shul, there was older men, you know, the, old, the older guys, you know, I don't know how old they were, I thought they were 140 at the time when I was a kid, but who knows how old they were. There was an elderly gentleman, and one time, they're about to do the kiddush in the shul, and I see him dart across the table, and he takes the cap and covers the wine bottle. So I was fascinated. So I asked, this is right before the Kiddush, on, on, on Saturday morning. So I asked him, I said, David, his name was, his name was David. I said, David, so I used to call him, why did you do that? And he says to me, because that's what my father did. I don't know. So that is Chachma for him. There's no Bina there. It's a beautiful Chachma. So Chachma in itself can be beautiful. And we're not saying yeah. that, that there, there's a value in that. There, we, 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 I, there's a reason, I mean, I can tell you the reason. The Bina reason for why he covered the wine is because if the Kiddush, if the wine is open during Kiddush, the wine inside gets covered by the blessing, which means if somebody else wanted to make Kiddush later, they couldn't make a blessing on that, on that bottle. So let's say somebody came later and wanted to make the Kiddush, they would have to find a different bottle because that wine was open, which means it was covered under the blessing from before and you can't make a blessing twice on the same wine. I didn't know that either. In Jewish law, it's, what, it's, it's, what, it's called pagum. It becomes pagum. It becomes... So, I, so that, was, that was a Bina experience. But I didn't have to tell, tell Rabbi David that Bina because it was, didn't matter to him. He was, that was a way that he could respect his father, and he remembers his father was very particular about it. He obviously knew that his father knew, and he was okay with that. And there's a lot of people. But think about how many people go to shul, how many people do things today, and how today in our society, a lot of people's Jewish experiences do stem from their parents. And, and so, so, to a certain extent, there's a, there's a, there's a chachma experience. Here's the problem. We have a new generation of, of young people who are not following that. They're not interested in that. Mm-hmm. that, that fulfilling Judaism based, running across the table to cover the wine bottle because your father did it and to respect him is a lost art. That's the reality. We don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Very, very little. I mean, there is, but very few and far between. You're not gonna, that story is not something that I think that my grandkids are gonna be able to repeat so easily. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result of that, we live in a world where we need the Bina. We cannot, Judaism is not going to survive a 21st century, in my humble opinion, without Bina. But you know, another explanation also of why we need Bina is because when we look at the youth today and the, 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 the forms of, if you want, uh, psychology that are very, very um, 
popular today, it's also a lot of an inverted form of Chochmah. What do I mean by that? It's a, I don't know why I do it, it's just what feels good to me. That's it. Right. Like right. people actually don't think things right. through. Right. They don't think things through. It's just, this is just what feels right. It's just what I want right now. That's it. So they keep themselves in this, this not in a Chochmah experience, but in an inverted form of a Chochmah experience of a, I don't know, I don't know why. It's just what's, what feels good. And that uh, argument of it just, it feels good, it's the ultimate argument for them. You cannot reason. In a, in a, in a couple of sessions from now, we're going to start talking about the difference between the mind and the heart and what the purpose of the mind is and what the purpose of the heart is. The purpose of the mind, according to Kabbalah, is to make the decisions. The purpose of the heart is to act on them. Mm. Where, like you said, a lot of young people today, well, it feels good. It feels good. You know what? You know, it's very interesting. Somebody was saying to me, what's the golden rule? What's the golden rule? Only do to uh, uh, others, do to others as you would have, as you would have them do to you. <laughs> I'm a little messed up in my head, let's say. And I want to be a... a I, I, I like the feeling of killing people. Yeah, there are people in the world like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what does that do for the golden rule? Exactly. What does that do for You're the... Assuming they, it makes me touch. feel good. It makes me feel good. I need to express my personal feelings. That's I know it's an extreme example. That's why Hillel's rule is different. Hillel's rule is different. It's you shall not do to, unto others what you will not have them do exactly. unto you. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, of a exactly. negative action, right. which is a lot more robust. Right. But also, it, it, becomes a, it becomes complicated. People who act out of... What do you mean? I just, I just, you know, let it be. Why does the world have to have so many rules and regulations? Yeah. I want to be able to kill whoever I want to kill. Yeah. Yeah. That is the breakdown of society. What's happening today is the big breakdown of society. So what Kabbalah is talking about here is literally the, 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 the rebuilding or the, the initial building of a society. But can there be negative Chachman Bina? That's, that's... Well, give me an example. Like a flash of inspiration to do a crime, mm-hmm. you know. Or my father did this, and it's a little crooked, but you know that was the way it was. What, one of the one of the interesting analogies that are given in Kabbalah is um, a thief. Before a thief breaks into a house, yeah. a thief prays. <laughs> they will get caught. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that come from? No, no, it's, it's, it's an analogy that's given. In, yeah. it's, 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 it's an analogy that's given mm-hmm. in Kabbalah yeah. of, of, of what you're saying. Yeah. This, crooked, this, mm-hmm. this crooked methodology, right? What is it? He's doing something wrong. He's doing something against. What are you praying to God now if you do something against God? Right. Because that is the Chachma experience. So that's there right. could be a negative Chachma. Yeah, of course. Because what happens is that Kabbalah is actually all about, about balancing these different, these different modalities. If all you do, if you don't develop your Bina, and you, all you do is just stay in the Chochmah world, okay, you're going to be more likely to have flashes that are not reasoned. You're not thinking things through. You're not developing Bina, and, and you're certainly not developing that, right? You're becoming unbalanced on one side, right? And that could lead to ethical problems down the line, right? right. So right. maintain that. Well, and it's interesting how the corruption can kind of move its way through because if you start off, and that's why the source, the Chochmah is very important because if you start off with that corruption, the whole thing becomes corrupted. Mm. You have to start off with the purity. So, mm. so it has to be like balanced on once. Yeah, well that's mm. the idea. That's why it, it, it does work on, the, on this chart that I gave you. It works as a cross. They're not above each other. They're across one another. Mm-hmm. Actually, okay. we would say it's the expansion. Mm-hmm. It's the expansion. It goes from right to left, right being Chachmah, left being Bina, and if you look at 
the tetragrammaton, God's name, the Yud, then the Hey, then the Vav, then the Hey. I have to say it that way, and we say it that way because we don't want to say that together, right? So, so the Yud and the Hey, which is the first half, is the Yud is the spark, and the Hey becomes the expansion of the spark, right? The the Yud is like this. Now you take the little Yud, and you expand it. What do you get? The Hey. Which Yud are you talking about? What? Which Yud? No, the Yud, the, 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 the God's name is Yud, yeah, yeah, no, no, and then no, Hey. So the first that. Yud is the, what we, is Chachma. Chachma is, is represented in the first Yud. Oh, okay. Now, not on there. I'm just giving oh, you an okay. example oh, okay. of how you yeah, see God. So that you see God within this, mm-hmm. where you know, the first Yud, you expand the Yud in, in width and in length, becomes a Hey. Yeah. But I don't understand why because, like, not everything is chokhmah. Not right? everything is chokhmah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, so some of these examples, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's chokhmah. Like, it's me, like, the, like the, the thief or, you know, someone who's just, you know, s- studying and lear- learning. Not everything is chokhmah. Like, you don't have to explain everything. Or, or mm-hmm. even the gentleman who ran across and covered the wine. Why, why is that chachma? It's just, you know, he, did he really have an aha moment there? No, but chachma is not necessarily an aha moment. Okay. It's, it's true this is not chachma. Because, you're right, it's not chachma. Okay. Because we're going to get into the emotions and we're going to see the same thing in the emotions. Okay. It's really emotional, right? The reason why somebody yeah, is responding exactly. like that is like emotional. This is not, but, mm-hmm. but chachma, it's respectful. It's something that but he... Somebody who doesn't yeah. think things through doesn't even enter the realm of Chachma, that's the truth. But, I'm, but because we're starting off with Chachma, we're not starting off with the emotions and there's a reason for it, mm-hmm. because the point Kabbalah wants is that our um, mind should master our emotions, that our thoughts should master our emotions. They should, they should hone them and con- not control them, it's not the right word, but, but be, the, be the driving force of our decisions. But, but I have uh, something to, to respond to that. So I, I think there's two ways to look at this if you're right, okay? one way to look at them is as general um, characteristics of human beings in general, okay? The other way to look at them is as qualities, okay? But for them to become a quality, they have to become refined, right? Through this process of the mind and the, and, and the heart, through this process of balancing within one another, okay? Then they can become the quality version of themselves. But the pure, like, strictly from a... Uh, human mechanics point of view, okay? The thief that has the idea of, you know what, I'm gonna break through from the back door. That could be like a chokhmah experience from the standpoint of not as a, as a quality, but as a general way that human beings are structured. Like the way our mind is structured is like, okay, we're thinking of a problem, then oh bang, like I just got this great idea. And then when the thieves talk amongst each other, it was like, you know what, I had this fantastic idea. But it's like, obviously, the whole thing is, is immoral and unethical. And we don't want to think about it in terms of a quality. It's not a quality. But it's, it's, like, it's like Bina also, like the rationalization. There's a, there's a version of that that's just human beings likes, like to analyze, piece things apart, work things through, wrap their minds around things. Okay, But that also can easily become idolatry. Right? It's like we're defining God and then we're, 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 we're elevating the God that we've defined and then we, 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 start, we start worshiping that. So 
it, it's, it's, for it to be a quality, I think you have to look at it holistically through the whole and it has to be balanced with the others and it has to be part of that purified process. And, and then your Bina is a quality Bina. It's not just the bare bones. Like a refined, the, you know what I mean? Idolatry is a, is, is a foreign idea to us today. Let me, let me change it. Well, to me, not to me. Advertisers. <laughs> what do advertisers want from us? Our money. Yeah. Our attention. Someone's here? Advertisers want our minds, our attention, our eyeballs. <laughs> huh? Nail them. Uh. They want to turn us into zombies. What, what, when, 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 mm-hmm. when, when the marketing Very specialists funny. put impulse items at the cash register, what do they want you to do? But how do they want you to buy it? Fast. At the spur of the moment. They want you to buy it at the spur of the moment. Yeah. They don't want you to think about it. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that could be chachma without mm-hmm. bina mm-hmm. very the easily. Brain. Now, it is really emotional. What they're doing is they're playing on your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we learn the emotions, you're going to see actually how it all, how buying an impulse item fits in. But what, let's just say somebody's on a diet. And the diet is asking the counter calories. <laughs> and the diet is asking the count calories. Now, they come to an event and they see this whole beautiful dessert table. So, they want to use Chachma and Bina to be able to have a dessert. So, the first flash of inspiration is run away. You're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be able to control yourself. Chachma is saying, run away. What is Bina saying? Wait a second, wait a second. So there's two types of Bina that can happen. There could be a more emotional Bina and a more intellectual Bina. The emotional Bina is saying, it's not so bad for you, it's okay, it's trying to convince you. You know, it's a wholesome meal, it has eggs in there, there's flour in there. It's carrot cake. It's yeah. got carrots. Mm-hmm. It's got have it's a, a vegetable, really. <laughs> the more intellectual bina is saying, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." The, the, the zucchini you have, cake. You have you have a You have a thousand two hundred and fifty calories you can do today. You only did on your page, you know, four hundred calories. So you could just waste it all. I mean, it is ten o'clock at night, so you might as well just enjoy, and you can waste it on the other uh, eight hundred calories that you didn't cover today. So that's bina, right? There's a bina experience there. So you're trying to. The problem with both of those is that they're bad examples because they're really emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're connected to the rest. But, so, but the reason why I'm giving you an example is because in our society, this Chachma Bina thing is very difficult. Imagine Chachma Bina with no emotions. That's what we're talking about, really. Mm-hmm. Most of Chachma Bina exactly. in our society is going to be emotional because we have been conditioned to respond emotionally. Advertisers have spent millions of dollars making sure that we respond emotionally because half of the stuff that we buy, we wouldn't buy if we didn't have emotions. Half of the things that we do, we wouldn't do if we didn't have emotions. But, but you know, like our rationalization is also something we talked about, okay? Rationalizing something that is bad for you or that you have a, an emotional dependency to, okay? And you end up rationalizing it. That's an example of an emotion uh, overtaking a bina, let's say, taking that function of analyzing, breaking things apart, explaining things, and really just infusing it with, from, with, a, with a bad energy. And, but you can come up with sentences, with structures, with arguments. This is why, this is why, this is why. It all sounds so 
reasonable, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not based in something reasonable. And it's the same thing with, with Chochmah. Your Chochmah, your intuitions can be hijacked as well with emotional dependencies, with imbalances, with a, a, a binad that's been also hijacked. Right. Your entire system can be hijacked. Right. And then, yeah, your intuitions, your feelings in the moment, my aha moments can be uh, soiled, <laughs> can be bad, you know? If I haven't refined, if I haven't gone through the process of refining and also developing the ethical, I think at some point we need to, I, I, I almost think that the, uh, the whole purpose of like ethical rules is to develop kind of rules of thumb because it's very hard to go through this process comprehensively each and every single time. So we develop like these, these rules of thumb, these simplifications and, and that we can just hook onto, right? Or these stories that we have as well. It's, it's little things that we can hook onto. It's a shortcut. It's like, we know that the whole process was properly played out in this instance, so we can adopt it. Right? How do you refine that though? Like, how, what's the process in refining that? How do you get the emotions out of it? I like, think that, I think the that that's, the, that's the key. That's the and that's, in our society, it's very interesting because in, probably in previous societies, when they were studying this stuff, they didn't have the same problem that we have. Mm -hmm. We have a unique issue. It's much more complex today, yeah. Mm -hmm. Much more complex because we do have to, if you want to truly understand Chachman Bina, you must take out the emotions. Give me an example of Chachman Bina with no emotions. You know, like the scientist in the lab, you know, the scientist in the lab, purely working on a purely... Uh, do you think that it, like, there's no emotions involved there? Of, of course maybe, not. Like, there's always emotions. Einstein, or maybe Einstein, like, making the atomic bomb or something like that. I don't know. There's like always, a, like a always, always emotions. Maybe if Einstein had, had, when he was making the atomic bomb, if he had emotions... He probably wouldn't yeah. have done it. It's like maybe a good yeah, example. Yeah, he probably did have emotions. No, he because... probably didn't. Okay. He probably wouldn't have done it. If somebody in the right mind, well, why would they bring that into the world, right? Mm -hmm. Look at Alfred Nobel. Why did he make the Nobel Prize? Because he invented dynamite. Mm. Ultimately, it's always connected to emotions. Because even, so let's, let's take the example of a government funding a research project, okay? That, you know, 80 scientists are going to work on, okay? And they've defined it on paper. They're like, they've segregated it from from the rest of human experience. And they've said, we're looking for an answer to this particular set of questions, okay? And they've given it to the researchers and the researchers are going every day and they've developed, developed methodologies and, and, and experiments and they're, they're, they're... So within that little bubble, let's say, there's human emotions, but as it pertains to the problem, there's no emotions. It's been purified of all emotion, okay? But really, that problem that they are trying to solve, when you go back, it was connected to human emotions. Human beings at some point felt the need to fix that problem and made a decision to create this group. And so when you're gonna look at it, that the problem in and of itself, inside that bubble, maybe there's gonna be a lack of, there's gonna be no human emotion as it pertains to that, that set of problems. But ultimately, it was a subject or some subjects making a decision that this has to respond to this response to the human experience, to the human needs, and that it's a problem that must be addressed. So emotions are always going to be connected to it from far or wide so, in some, in some so way. So let's fast forward again and let me give you a tool to be able to analyze this without knowing what's going to happen next. I'm just giving you the tool. We're not saying get rid of the emotions. Mm -hmm. We're saying that the mind, the intellect, need to be the driving force for the decisions. It should be. We're saying that when you're at the cash register mm -hmm. and you see that impulse item, your mind 
has governed over your over your heart to the point where you just like you just give the the nod. So I know. I mean, I know very well why you put it there. But that's not why. Like, for example, the difference between coming to the store with a list and coming to the store with no list. Yeah. If you come to the store with no list, you end up buying the store. If you come with the list and you say, I am sticking to my list, that's an intellectual decision. So what's the difference? The difference is in the preparation. That's why they put that stuff at the cash register because it's right. once you're done with your list, hey, grab this too. No, but, but it's more than that. It's more than that. If you were in the mindset... I, am, I don't care what's on sale. I am buying what's on my list because I already premeditated what I need. I don't need, need is a very important word in Kabbalah. I don't need anything. I may want things, but I don't need anything else. I'm coming for my list. I don't care what I see. It could look good. It could be a good price. I, I, could, you know, I, look, I could save money. You're not saving money. You're spending money. And you come, that is a purely intellectual pursuit. What did it need? What is the process that it needed? Preparation. You can't walk into the store and expect that you're not going to buy the store. If you walk into the store, you're going to elicit emotion. What's very interesting about that, on a psychological level, is that you will have more control to be able not to buy those impulse items because you already decided before you went in that you're not buying anything else that's not on your list. Mm -hmm. Whereas the problem is when you already bought the store, ah, what's another... Pack, pack of Tic Tacs already. Dollar yeah. seventy nine. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's also I'm also thinking like online purchasing is an opportunity to think things through a little bit more because you're not tired, you're not walking around, you're not in that state. You can be in, in a in a calm state. Right. You can be working on your yeah. card. You can go yeah. over it ten times, and you could really right. think, you know, whether or not you really need these items now. Online buying could also be more impulsive because yeah, all you yeah, can do yeah, is press yeah. a button. Click, click, click. No, but I have both experiences, well, right? I, but what's very interesting, we, we stopped going shopping in the store. Mm -hmm. We buy all of our groceries now online. Yeah. Really? And, that that and, is smart. And my wife said that overall she saved about 30, 30 to 40% of her By doing it online? By doing it online. Oh, um, wow. Because she only buys what she needs. She goes through I the list. Grocery shopping is probably different yeah, that's right. And she like says Amazon. it. She buys it. First of all, Amazon, it's, it's amazing. Up, like you're exposed to everything well, in the world. Amazon is, 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 is a one big old impulse buy. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what their goal is. Their goal but is to, to, it's one big but impulse buy. You see buy. how ultimately it's not about the technology. It's not about no. like whether you go physically or the online. Ultimately, it's about, it's about how are you set up? What's your framework of thought? How Absolutely. do you approach these things? That, that's the core that you should focus on. That's what you should recommend. No, but now, you now, now there's an amazing culture grocery store that delivers. It's called Foodery. Foodery, yeah. And it's really amazing. Park Avenue? Yeah, they deliver. Foodery. Yeah, we only we buy. It's foodery.ca. Foodery. Yeah. Okay. And and my wife not only that she has a shopping cart so she has a regular thing she just presses two buttons boom 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 her regular order and that and they and they deliver it within four hours it's delivered. That's amazing. Yeah. You may have just changed my life. <laughs> it changed our life. It's amazing. They, 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 so it's interesting because they only deliver to like the Jewish areas, and yeah. NDG is not considered a Jewish area. But what, what really? she does, what she did is she, she puts in the bottom pickup, and then she puts her address in NDG, and they deliver it. Okay. They, they, it says like there's different areas you can do it. Right. and Luke is one of them. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but NDG is not one of them. Okay. But for some reason, she just puts it pickup, and then she puts please deliver to this address, and they deliver it. And, and, uh, and now a lot of people in the area, 
have been have been have been getting from there. So they're very happy about it. And the guy told me like he sees that there's like people on NDG. I said we should add NDG to the list. Yeah, they have enough to people. go through NDG to get the coats and loop. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what happens. No. The coats and loop delivery guy no. goes through NDG. That's what he does now. And within, I would say, it, it depends on how late you order it. But if you order it like at some point in the middle of the day, it'll by evening it's there. And nice. I would say it's either the same or a little less than, uh, than IGA. Well, and, IGA and, is expensive. Yeah. Wow. And so, but that's an interesting example of... Amazing. Of how you can really control, because then you know, there's no impulse buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. But originally, you have your... The way that you look at it is clear. You're yeah. looking to make those decisions intelligently. And that's You're looking the point. To make that's and then the you use point. the tools. Then you find the tools that best that allow you to do that. That is the point. Yeah. That is what we want from Chachma and Bina. That is why we are studying Chachma and Bina before we get into the emotions. Because the goal is that our lives, our decisions, the things that we do should be made first from the mind. The, the power of Chachma is also... The importance of all the knowledge that you don't have. Explain. So, if you live in a world of Bina, okay, you live within... We all have like a representational model of the world. We all have our own little sui generis creation of how, how the world works, okay? And in some areas it may be very accurate, and in other areas it may be very inaccurate, and in some areas it may be completely... Like, lately I just learned about the digestive system, Okay. And I just realized that my mental picture of like the intestines was like grade four. Like really, I had like, I hadn't updated my software like since probably grade school, okay? Because even when I did like my CGF in sciences, it was like more like, like physics and it wasn't like biology, right? Mm-hmm. And so my, my wife is really into, you know, like nutrition and stuff. And it's, it's one of my big uh, problems in life, like learning how to eat properly. And you know, it's one of my big challenges. And I realized that my... My, my representational model of human biology was so terrible. It was almost like a, a joke, right? So, but when you live in a world of pure Bina, you, you are a slave to, in a sense, your representational models of reality, which are always inadequate, right? Chokhmah to me is the place where you can start to bring in new information. It's where you're open to the unknown, not the unknown in general, the unknown to you. <laughs> Because other people know this stuff, probably, right, out there. And, and then there's things that probably as a species we don't know yet, right? But if you, you, you remain, everything that we're seeing in the world of Chochmah, questions create the opening for Chochmah. Or the, it's an I don't know experience. Or it's at the precipice of the known and the unknown, okay? This is where we can, and, and when you really think about it, probably there's a lot more unknown out there to, to human beings than there is known. So it's easy to live in a world of Bina only. It's easy to live in a world of where our representational models are, are everything that we see. It's all that we see, right? And being, having that, cultivating that openness, asking the questions, and, 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 and always being open to new experience is, is, is the way that we can incorporate more information from the unknown. But that is, but that is essentially what the Bina process is. It's asking questions. That is the, the framework of Bina is to ask the right questions. Bina or Chochmah? No, Bina. 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 You take the flash and then you ask the right questions. Yeah. 
That's the point. Yeah. Oh, but, but see, there's different questions. There's questions that, that relate to something else that you know, and then there's questions that relate to things that you don't know at all. What's the most important, let's say, what is the most celebrated Jewish event of the year outside of the Jewish Christmas, otherwise, otherwise known as Hanukkah? Uh, any any uh, holiday Pesach. that would be this time Pesach, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the most celebrated part of Pesach? <clears throat> the seder. The seder. seder. Yeah. What's the seder? Sitting down, asking questions. What's 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 the seder? The seder is supposed to be an example of a regular dinner in a home. Hmm. It just happens to be instead of bread, there's matzah. So how do we start off the dinner? Kiddush. Mm-hmm. Then what do we do? We wash our hands because that's how we were saved from the black plague. Then what do we do? What after we do? I want to ask you. You brought that up about say from the black pig, but that wasn't the intention originally. No, of course it says no. in the Torah. Okay, yeah. We we why. do it because we washed our hands and went to the mikvah because that is our yeah, commandment. But it happened to be nobody else. Nobody else did at that time, and yeah. so we were saved from all the bacteria and all the garbage that was yeah. going on. People thought the Jews did it because the Jews were 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 staying alive be- only because we were following the commandments. Yeah. So, what happens then? What do we do? What's the first thing we do? We turn to the kid and says, what do you want to do? And the kid starts asking questions. Well, before that, we invite other people. Yeah, okay, fine. We invite all the... Okay, we're well, saying we after that. Because we, we, it's supposed to be an example of Jewish values. So we invited everybody to come. Why we invite them at the Seder or not before the Seder is a different story. But didn't they used to do it in the marketplace? Yeah, they used or to go. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Helaf Ma'anya yeah. Was, was people would go and you'd go around in the okay. synagogue. You'd go around wherever you are. And, and right, that's why... After the Holocaust, there was a big push from the universal Jewish community to leave a chair empty in memory of uh, those that perished. And the Rebbe was very against it. The Rebbe said, if you want to really remember them, fill the chair with somebody who doesn't have a place for the Seder. Don't leave it empty. Interesting. Fill the chair. Mm -hmm. So the Rebbe started a fill the chair campaign. Mm -hmm. I can't fill any more chairs. but, but but but, But that became a thing. So, but you see, there's different types of questions. So, so what happens? I can ask a million questions so, and be so, very so, narrow-minded. So, so, let's take a look at Manashana. Just for, yeah. I'm just using it as, a, as an example. What, what's the first thing? What, 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 what's what's Manashana? Manashana. No, what, do we, what does the kid ask? Uh, like, what is different tonight? Oh, the kid is just, what is the kid doing? Observing. Yeah. There's like, something what, different tonight? here tonight. Yeah. That's the first thing. So that's a, almost like a Chachma experience. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. There's something different. Mm-hmm. What is different tonight? Then what do we do? And then, then we break it down. Like, like every night we eat bread and matzah. Oh, there's the bina. There's yeah. the bina. Yeah. That's the questioning that happens. So the child service, I, I don't know what, I don't, I'm trying to figure out. I, I know there's something different here. I know I can't put my finger on it. There's something different. There's something that's changed about you Ed, since the last time I saw you. There, there, there's something different. The child's using, starting the Chachma experience. It's no, there's no emotions here. It's a child, simple Chachma. Then the child says, ah, I know what it is. There's no bread tonight. Mm. All you, why is there matzah tonight and not bread? Mm. Then what does the child do? Why are we di- yeah, yeah. Why, why are we doing bitter instead of sweet? Why are we dipping instead of, uh, you know, why, why are we leaning instead leaning of straight? Yeah. Simple observational, yeah, like yeah, you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, 
observational questions to try to understand what makes this night different. So the Chachma is the Manish Tana, mm-hmm. but the rest of it is the Bina. Yeah. That is a good process. But then you see, you see, of, after that, we can go even, even more into the Bina and say, okay, well, what is Matzah, right? Right. Matzah Zot. Oh, matzah Zushan Achlim. That's right. Right. So we, uh, we get more, we break things that's down. That's right. And, and then before you know it, we might not be as connected but, anymore to Chachma. Chachma is more the general questioning. No, Chachma is just, there's something different here. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. It's the, Bina, Bina is like you said, exactly. Then we start asking Matzazo, that is different. It represents, it re, it re, it represents the, the, the difference. And then what's fascinating about it, we're going to get the dot. What is dot? Well, we eat the matzah. Could you imagine if we, the child said the matzah's there, and then we spoke about the matzah, but we never ate it. Because the matzah, we're going to save it for Elijah. <laughs> no. So that, that's the exact process of the Seder represents the Chachma, the Bina, and then we're going to get to, very soon, we're going to get to the Dat level, where you have to actually experience it mm-hmm. with all of our senses. So what are we doing? We're using all of our senses. So, so yeah. Oh, sorry, with um, Chachma then, are you saying like something's changed? Is it like a perception change or is it like, what, what, what exactly? It's just an observation. I mean, in this scenario, it's an observational change, but it could be anything. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. I'm just trying to take it out of the emotions mm-hmm. and into the intellect. That's my, my, my purpose. Yeah, that's what I really want to figure out and like, what is the b- difference between the two? So let's, let's just finish off Bina. So this is, this becomes the talent of the true maven. The word that's derived from the root Bina, to be a maven, from Bina, is specifically a skill that very few possess. The reason is that to be able to take an abstract, removed concept that has no body, that has no hands, that has no feet, that's entirely formless, and somehow to develop it to the point of understanding in a clear, logical fashion, is an amazing task that only someone who's a maven can really achieve. To understand an existing, well-explained and developed thought doesn't make one a maven. Many people do that in their personal business lives. But to be able to take that and to be able to take it from a place of of understanding and fashion it and see how it can be formed and changed, that's where Bina comes in. Yet, even after the Bina state, there's something of key importance that's still lacking. And this is where a lot of diets mess up. Going back to the diet analogy. A lot of diets, what do they say? Chachma. What's the, what's the manashtana of a diet? Let's lose weight. I don't know how, I don't know what. Now, Bina is, okay, how are we going to lose weight? We're going to lose weight by abstaining. We're going to take out a certain amount of calories, logical, sequential things that would make sense. But what happens with a lot of diets? People spend a certain amount of time, they go on the diet, and then when they're done, what happens? Let's say they binge eat, right? 
They go back, they go back and they binge eat. So they eat that, so they gain back all the way plus five pounds. The Kabbalah diet would have another component to it. What would the Kabbalah diet component be? Abstain and then transform. Had the dot. The dot component where it becomes part of you. It's not that I'm taking the calories out of my life because I need to abstain from something. It's I'm going to replace it with something else that's not going to be as many calories. Don't say don't eat cookies because then when you can eat cookies, you're going to eat too many. What we're saying is we're going to eat a different kind of cookie that's less calories. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's going to take us a lot longer to, to lose the weight. No, it's, it's more real. But it's more real. Yeah. It makes so, more sense. With Bina, you can say, okay, <clears throat> like chokhmah, like plants are good. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, plants okay. are good. Okay, only eat, only eat, you know, you, can, you have a whole regiment. I only eat this in the morning, only this in the afternoon. This, it's beautiful, but it's not practical. People are not going to be able to keep to it. It's but what if we just, if you just literally say, okay, I eat this and this. This is what I like to eat. So instead, I'm going to eat a little bit less, and I'm going to maybe change it. Instead of eating this that has 50 calories, I'm going to eat this that has 25 calories. So eventually, over time, if you eat the same amount and you eat less calories, that's what's going to end up happening. So that's what the Kabbalah diet looks like. The Chachma, Bina, and then Dat. What is Dat? Dat is when a person develops an idea to the point of fully understanding it. What often happens is it remains in the realm of the intellectual concept. It's understood. It can be explained. It can even be communicated to others. But it's missing life. It's not the person. It doesn't become part of the person. When does it become part of the person? When it's internalized by concentrating on the developed idea. The word dot, as the Tanya explains, is associated with the word yoda, not yoda. The word yoda, meaning concentrated knowledge. Kabbalah explains that when Adam had relations, had sex with Eve, what does the Torah refer to? It says Adam knew Eve. What is it? Is it trying to be uh, PG? The Torah doesn't care about PG and non-PG. Why is it used a term, you know, as they say, the, he knew her in the biblical sense? Why does it use the word no? The Torah is not just uh, making euphemisms here. Initially, it seems very strange that the word knew to mean that he had sex. Yet, the Torah uses this word. So Kabbalah explains that the only way to have the, re- the desired result from a union is through what is called an effective, concentrated bond. This only comes when the male concentrates on the female. Otherwise, as the Talmud elaborates, there would not be any lasting result. It's true that both Adam and Eve would have had a pleasant experience but no part of their true selves would have been passed on in the form of offspring. The reason why it was knowing is because the word knowing actually exemplifies the biblical version of sex, which is an effective, concentrated bond. And something that I teach to a lot of the grooms when I talk to them before their wedding, 
as I say to them, is that when you, when you have sex with your wife, it's so important that it be focused, that you not be thinking about the world or anything else. You need to be in a focused, concentrated state to be able to think about her and the experience because it's very easy for the mind to wander. It's very easy for other things to come into your head at the same time. And that's not fair. That is considered not fair according to the Torah. The Torah wants that you should know. What does the word know? Is that literally your mind and your heart and everything about you should be totally focused on the other person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that's yoda. That's da'at. Da'at is where, and the, the greatest example of da'at can be, can be sex, where it's, it's totally, it's very easy for sex to be a, 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 a chachma experience or even a bina experience, but not a da'at experience. Da'at, it, it, it takes on a very different form. And the other person that you're in the relationship with can, can, can feel the difference. If you're there, you're not there. That makes me laugh, a Yoda experience. <laughs> it's integrated knowledge. Is there a connection between Yoda and Hodu? What? And Hodu. And Hodu, yeah. It's the same, it's the same root. Hodu and Yoda, for sure. So you're talking turkey. Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> turkey. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I have, I have yes, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. But isn't one of the things that we talk about today, like the society, of like people do things mindlessly, you know? Yes, so that's the point. Yeah. Y- y- yoda or da'at is being mindful. Yeah. But more than being mindful, being presently mindful, right. where it causes you to make it so much part of yourself that you don't even remember how you heard it. The best, the greatest example of that is where you say something that you heard from someone else back to them, not even realizing you heard it from them. That is a true dot experience. Because what, what Kabbalah wants us to do is for these ideas to become so much part of ourselves that we don't even remember how we learned them. We don't even remember where they came from. That's how much part of us they are. Your, your conscious mind doesn't even need to be that active anymore. It's just integrated. Yes, but there's a converse to that. So that you can be spewing out, uh, not even knowing where it came from, wrong ide- or bad mm-hmm. ideas or, mm-hmm. or destructive ideas and whatnot. Yeah. So I remember when I heard that, exactly. Yeah, but so the, the conscious mm-hmm. mind is necessary yeah, because... To correct. Exactly. Of course. But that, th- that would only happen if you were no longer connected to your Chochmah and your Bina. Ah, which in, okay. in, in the Kabbalah, you've got to go back and keep doing the process okay. to develop the Dad. But if you just stop there, I mean, first of all, not only can you start having bad conceptualizations, but you can also lose knowledge as well, passively. Yeah. Uh, you do lose knowledge passively. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and, and as a, as a um, proof of that, the rabbi's first question to me ever was, how do I know something to be... Uh, it was about being born and losing all the Torah and then recovering the Torah. But I can't remember the question, but that was your first question. And so we lose knowledge at the moment of our birth. Mm-hmm. And we, re- we don't lose it, but it becomes... Uh, we use the dot. Thing. We lose we the dot. Exactly. For example, one of the things they, 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 that you were saying is that a baby naturally has Tai Chi, right? Completely. You were saying that on, on, on Sunday when we were doing yeah. Tai Chi. 
Is that, you know, so we lose that dot. Yeah. Tai Chi is the dot of knowing how the body moves. Kids can be so brilliant in how they move their bodies. Uh, they can naturally know, when you wrestle with a kid, they naturally know the wrestling moves. I'm like, whoa. Like, you've got to learn that, like, painstakingly as an adult. <laughs> but they just know it. Yes. Or, like, when they dance, they can naturally know moves that it's going to take uh, a professional dancer years to dance. So the question is, what kind of life do we lead that we lose that knowledge? Yeah, of course. That's, that's the... Yeah. Or is it maybe just part of that is just ingrained in the nature of existence that we, you know, the development of our conscious mind kind of separates us from a lot of other things going on in our body. And there are benefits to it. And of course there are benefits. There's but, clear, yeah. The benefits we can see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. But it's, it's, it's the, the it's, loss that we sometimes choose not to see or that is harder for us to see. So would you say like by defining the process of like Hakuna and Bina and like um, how like these thoughts and like how like the corrupted thoughts and the good thoughts are created? Do you think that's like um, you refining it as uh, you get deeper into it? I don't know if it's, if it's a good analogy of refining or, uh, or corrupted or not corrupted, but I think that the point is, is that whatever that first flash of inspiration is and that leads into analyzing it and piecing it together then becomes part of who we are. It leads into action. That's what we're going to continue talking about next week. Okay. Is how that action comes about. Okay. How do we take what we know and turn it into action? And that is a, a key component to this whole process before we get into the emotions.